Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 185 of the Masterclass podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and of course, I am joined um, by the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Hogue. What's up? Uh, you know, it's good to be here. Um, I'm really happy, believe it or not. Probably doesn't come through, but... Oh, you sound ecstatic, Dave. So I am. I actually am. Like one of the things that I'm happy about is I'm looking out the window and it's light outside at a time that it's usually dark. Well, I can tell you from the far eastern reaches of the central time zone, uh, the but sun has north. already set here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm not only further north, I'm at the I'm 25 miles from the eastern time zone. So yeah, it gets darker know. way earlier right. than it does where you guys are at. Huh. But but summer is around the corner. Like it is that sort of, I don't know. I know you like the cold weather, but. <laughs> I do. Uh, I, the older I get, you know, the, less, the less I like it. It would be selfish of me to expect it to be cold all year round. There are plenty of folks who need their warmth for their sanity. Yeah. And there's sunshine. Yes. So there's a, <laughs> one of, one of my uh, friends from church and um, she's also one of the volunteers in my youth group. She hates the cold unsurprisingly, even though she's born and raised in Illinois <laughs> and you know, they have a pool at their house and summertime is just her jam. Um, and she, we were, I was over their house actually on mother's day um, hanging out and eating, you know, lunch with her family and, and, you know, all that, and she had a hoodie on, and it just said literally freezing. <laughs> and I saw it, and it, like I had been there for like a half hour before I realized what it said. And I was in the kitchen, and I just started laughing out loud. I was like, "That is the most accurate hoodie that you could possibly own." Like mine would say something like, "It's freezing out," and I'm very happy. You like, like, but it was just it's the perfect, the perfect thing for her, and it made me laugh quite funny or quite a lot. <laughs> And I realized that that was a complete, you had to be there and know the entire backstory story. So it made sense to no one else. But I said it anyways, Dave. That's, that's, that's quite <laughs> right. <laughs> that didn't make it any better. Anyways, um, we're here. It's exciting. Dave, if there was a myth and a legend about you, what would you want it to be about? A myth and a legend. Um... Uh, that's <laughs> talk about catching somebody off guard. A myth and a legend. Uh, you know, I feel like it's right there on the tip of my brain and I can't quite articulate it. Don't know. Bummer. Yeah, I realize that's a bit of a ridiculous question to ask, but I introduced you as the man, the myth, and the legend. So I was just yeah, you know, no, I, <laughs> I was curious. Tracking what would what would a myth or legend about Dave Hogue? A myth or a legend about Dave Hogue? Hmm. One time in college, you ate twelve whole pizzas in one night. Yeah, no. <laughs> Mine would, be some, think about that. mine would be something really, really stupid. Like the myth is that I'm really, really ugly and really, really smelly and quite dumb. 
then people meet me and they're like, oh, you're not smelly, <laughs> dumb, or that ugly. And so it would, you know, they would, they would, they would, they would uh, that's such a stupid thing to say. I don't know why I said that out loud. This is going, know. this is going really well. Dave. Yeah. We don't have any listeners left now. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, we're going to talk about the Bible because clearly we are very awkward and uncomfortable talking about anything else. Uh, So, we're going to carry on in chapter 8. But before we do that, I want to do a bit of uh, follow-up from last episode um, about the last verse that we read, which is verse 7 in chapter 8. And it says, uh, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. And so... Quick recap of last episode, uh, we were talking about uh, the first half of chapter eight in the book of Hebrews, and it's comparing like the Old Testament or the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. So the covenant that God had with Israel versus the covenant that God has with his people, Israel plus the Gentiles through Jesus, and uh, sort of the differences and comparisons there and why the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant, why it was necessary, how it's different. We're going to get into that more here in the second part. But I wanted to... Um, read a little bit from um ff bruce's commentary on hebrews and uh it says this about uh the old and the new covenant it says the defect did not lie in the covenant law the old covenant it was good in itself but to borrow paul's language it was weakened by the flesh romans 8 3 by the inadequacy of the human material which it had to work upon. What was needed was a new nature, a heart liberated from its bondage to sin, a heart which not only spontaneously knew and loved the will of God, but had the power to do it. The new covenant was a new one in that it could impart this new heart. It was not new in regard to its own substance. I will be their God and they shall be my people, quoted here, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, uh, was the substance of the covenant of Moses' day. I will take you for my people and I will be your God, was God's promise to the Israelites while they were still in Egypt, Exodus 6-7. I will be your God and you shall be my people, was his promise to them when he had given them his law in the wilderness, Leviticus 26-12. A promise taken up and applied in apostolic days to the people of the new covenant in 2 Corinthians 6. And in the New Testament apocalypse, when a new heaven and earth uh, come into being and God's dwelling place is established with his people. The ancient covenant promise is repeated. They shall be his peoples and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Revelation 21 and three. But while the formula, you will be my people and I will be your God of the covenant remains the same from age to age. It is capable of being filled with fresh meaning to a point where it can be described as a new covenant. I will be your God acquires fuller meaning with every further revelation of the character of God, you shall be my people acquires deeper significance as the will of God for his people is more completely known. So obviously that is a lot, but what I, what sort of blew my mind is, is the trace of the covenant promise. You will be my people and I will be your God from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, mm. which yes, I'll be honest, I didn't realize that that trail existed in that way, and that God, at the different points 
of redemptive history is reciting the same promise. But what, what I love here at the end, and I'll read it again, I will be your God acquires fuller meaning with every further revelation of God's character. And ye shall be my people requires deeper or acquires deeper significance as the will of God for his people is more completely known. So as we see the revelation of God's character go from God speaking to Abraham and saying, I'm going to make a nation out of you to saving the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt through the Exodus to delivering them to the promised land all the way up through the acts, uh, the acts of Jesus in his ministry. And then all the way to the new heaven and new earth, um, you know, coming together and in all things being made right as the promise goes that as, as our understanding of God's character widens and deepens there's more meaning and more power behind him saying I will be your God and as we understand what that means and what his will is for us as his people there's more power to him telling us you will be my people and what that belonging means what him choosing us means um, it's Really, really, um, I've never had the Old Covenant, New Covenant comparison explained that way before, and um, I think it's incredibly powerful to see God's consistency in message coupled with difference in what it means based on when and how that promise is delivered and through whom or what circumstances uh, it's delivered. Um, yeah. Does that, any of that make sense? Yeah. And so um, I just happened to read this today. Um, and it's, it, so it's, it's Paul in Romans um, seven talking about the whole, um, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And verse uh, 14, uh, I think, reiterates what you began with there. And it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh, sold under sin. And so just that whole um, being dependent on people, the flesh, you know, Mm Uh, you know, even though the covenant was spiritual, um, I am of the flesh. And so, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get into Romans seven. We've already talked about that, but you know, there's a ton to unpack there. And then just that, that second. So that was kind of my first piece in, in what you shared. And then the second one was, yeah, very much just that, that continuity, that consistency of who God is. And um, that consistent message of being his people. Um, yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm now muddying what you just said. No, but. yeah. I, so, the, 
what what comes to mind is like yeah, the consistency, right? But it's it's the consistency of the message, but it's also the consistency of his purpose and of his will to see his purpose accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the the wholehearted, consistent purpose of what God is intending to do. And and right now we're we're going through Ephesians in um a youth group, and we um we literally uh just talked about um this last week you can find it here yeah it's ephesians chapter one and it says uh in him we have uh yeah in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. So from the beginning of time, right before God created anything, it says earlier in Ephesians that he chose us before, you know, the foundation of the earth, that he has adopted us into his family as his children. And with it, all the benefits that come with being a child of God, that he chose us, he redeemed us. He predestined that we would be part of this family and all of that, that he chose before the beginning of time was for this purpose to unite all things in heaven and earth in him. That was the goal from day one. And then when you take that framework that Paul has laid out, and then you look at what it says here in Hebrews and what FF Bruce says here about what Jeremiah prophesied about when Josiah was King and Israel and Judah were split way, way back. You see the same thing whether it was with Abraham, whether it was with the Exodus, whether it was with Jeremiah, whether it was with Jesus, or whether it will be in Revelation, you will, you will be my people and I will be your God, a.k.a. we will be united. We mm-hmm. will be united in me. I will make this happen. And you see what the law pointed to, which was you can't do it on your own. I, we will be united. Right. You can't make it happen. Only I can make <laughs> no. it happen. And then yeah. we look at it from the new connect, new covenant perspective. You couldn't make it happen, so I made it happen. Pointing back at Jesus, but also pointing towards the end when heaven and earth will come together in all of you. It's just mm-hmm. like it's like he had this plan the whole time, Dave. Yeah, that's a kind of amazing. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like really. I haven't thought about like the the meta narrative of the Bible in in this way before. I always think like, oh, creation, fall, Old Testament, Jesus, New Testament, Revelation, end times, right? Like in terms of like uh, actions or stories in the Bible. Right. You know, um, some people might call them dispensations based on their theological background. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've never thought about it as God's purpose that he declared before the foundation of the world. And then how that purpose and his will to have that purpose come to fruition, like intercedes at different points throughout scripture, consistent message, mm-hmm. different presentation sometimes but consistent message and consistent purpose. That's 
it's kind of it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit, Dave. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, shall we uh shall we read through what we're going to talk about? Um Sure. And then, and then hop on that train. We sure can. All right. So we'll read verse um, 8 through 13. And as Cam has already mentioned, um, pretty much everything but the first and the last <laughs> of those comes actually from Jeremiah 31. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother and they okay so sorry that's verse 11 and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful towards their inequities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All right. Yeah, so, you know, it, it starts with you know, you opened with and in, in from verse seven in terms of, you know, um, finding fault mm -hmm. and it's not, it's, it's finding fault with them. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. turns out, turns out people, uh, have <laughs> issues, Dave. Yeah. So he finds fault with them. And then, you know, again, just, it plays into what we were talking to of, uh, we're dealing with prophecy, uh, brought by Jeremiah and the days are coming. There's, there's this future perspective. And as we're reading this in Hebrews, it's no longer a future perspective. Mm -hmm. It's now taking that look back at um, what Jeremiah said all that time ago. And lo and behold, it, 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 it has become true. Uh, there's, you know, it happened. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so what's interesting and the only reason I know this is because I actually did some homework beforehand and, and read in a couple commentaries to try and understand, um, this reference to Jeremiah and what was going on. And so Jeremiah was a prophet, uh, in the time of King Josiah, who was actually a King of Judah, which is the bad one <laughs> as far as the history is concerned right and so based on what jeremiah has written and what we know historically josiah made you know faith in god being part of 
you know, a good Israelite, like the national religion in Judah, but it was that. It was the nationally decreed, the king says you must do this, so you do it. It was it was essentially, you know, pharisaical type of faith. You do it to be seen, you do it because it's the right thing to do, but your heart isn't changed. It's it's merely the, you know, intellectual or social pressure to do what you're supposed to do. And so when it says, I'm going to establish a new covenant with Israel and Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers uh, when I took them out of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Imagine Jeremiah saying that to the very people that are essentially living a lie. He's calling out their lack of true faith. Even even more so in 10 where it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of the Lord after those days, declares the, uh, for the house of Israel. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people, right? And so this is this is that other aspect of it, right? It's It's not just you will memorize my verses like there's there's passages in Deuteronomy about how important it is to know and understand you know like it says like wear them on your head like those weird boxes that they used to wear around their heads you know talk to your children as you're coming and you're going and have them understand the word of the Lord it's it's yes there's there's that intellectual understanding of it but we're never promised in the Bible that if you memorize it it will you know it will come true or it will be more powerful but it's it's this concept that we see in the new covenant with the giving of the Holy Spirit to all of God's people in greater power that God is not after our intellectual assent or acknowledgement. He's after the very core of who we are, our beings, our souls, you know, what, what causes us to act and to will and to purpose and to think and to plot and scheme all of that internal stuff that only, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the only, the only two beings in the entire universe that know what I'm thinking at any given moment are me and God. <laughs> right? And he's after that stuff. Not just can you pass a Bible quiz at Awana on Wednesday night. Um or look good in church cuz you know how to flip to Habakkuk faster than everybody else. <laughs> and so Jeremiah's you know God through Jeremiah is calling out the the hypocrisy in Judah and saying I'm going to do it with a new covenant, I'm I'm maintaining my promise. That I will be their God, and they will be my people. But I'm going to do it in a different and greater way because I'm going to. What is it? It says exactly. Put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And writing things down back then, more so than now because of technology, was a statement of permanence. Right? It was how things were remembered and passed down generation to generation is how things were confirmed. It's how things were, you know, verified and solidified. You wrote it down. And so by doing that on his people's hearts, he's, he's signifying with a new covenant, the greater depth, the greater power, the different approach to apply the age old message which is whew, it's good stuff, Dave. 
Yes. And, it, you know, and it just, it, it, it kind of, uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here of just, um, for, for those of you who are, are listening, you know, I, I don't know how much time people spend in the old Testament, but go read first and second Kings, go read and like read what they did. And, um, just, there's even just that, that consistency of, um, you know, the Kings that, that, that chose God and did what was right in his eyes. And then those that, you know, you could have this King that was doing, um, all the right things and, you know, just had God's blessing. And then his son comes along and just totally jacks it up. And, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really fascinating in terms of, I just thinking, was thinking about what you were talking about in terms of things being written down and being written down for a reason, you know, uh, we do it so we don't forget and that we remember. And, you know, it's just funny as we talk about this stuff, I always have so many thoughts going through my head, but just, just even in that, we write things down so that, that, that they're not forgetting, forgotten, but even within a generation, you can have a father who is doing great and is blessed by the God. And then his son just totally, you know, who saw his dad doing all the right things, doesn't do that, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, I don't know. I, I guess it's just a little commercial, a little caveat of if you don't spend a lot of time in the old Testament because it's not interesting or you think it's too hard or whatever. Uh, I think, um, you know, first and second Kings is really just this, um, almost a series of a bunch of short stories of here's this King and here's his story. And this is what he did. And then here's the next King and here's what he did. And at that particular time, like we were talking about Judah was separate, um, uh, Israel, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's funny how my brain didn't work too. Sometimes, um, Judah was separated from Israel and, um, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. It was like a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so maybe for some of him, there was this going back and look at looking back at what had been uh, written down instead of living it from a, a heart place where you truly love God and desire to uh, glorify him you do it because it's written down and because, you know, you're, you're trying to replicate it falsely. Um, not truly from a place of, you know, true belief, but anyway, I'll, I'll get, I'll get off that. I know that was a bit of a cha- <laughs> tangent, but um, it's all good. It, it, that's just what came to my mind as you were, as you were talking about that of just, um, the reality. And maybe that's kind of my theme for tonight. It's just the reality of, the flesh trying to exist in harmony with the covenant and the law and all that. And it was certainly, well, people were certainly flawed. There was definitely fault (laughs) with the people. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes back to one of the first things that I read from this, this passage from, um, uh, Bruce's commentary says the defect meaning when it says the covenant was faulty did not lie in the covenant law it was good in itself but to borrow Paul's language it was weakened by the flesh by the inadequacy of the human material which it had to work upon mm-hmm. so yeah that's exactly 
Exactly, in the same vein, for sure. Uh, the last two verses say, And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. So this was, a, like, it tripped you up when you read it, and it tripped me up the first three times I read it. Because it's, <laughs> it's such an awkward thing. But it didn't it didn't click with me until you tripped over it and then reread it again. Where I was like, oh, if you take out the 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 middle section in between the commas, which is right. you know, yep, for they shall not teach, or and they shall not teach, for they shall all know me. Like they don't have to teach their neighbors, they don't have to teach their brothers, saying you should know the Lord. They already do. There's mm-hmm. no need to teach because we're all good. Uh, which is wow, what a heck of a statement that is that in the new covenant or as a result of the new covenant, we won't have to look to our family members or to our neighbors or our coworkers and say, Hey, have you heard the good news about Jesus? No, they already know. There's no need to have that conversation or to like in the end when the new heavens and new earth, right? We're all together and we're all partying with Jesus (laughs) and each other everybody's part of the family that's Mm -hmm. there. And this is really cool too, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Everybody top to bottom, left to right. Doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. Everybody will know God. And if that wasn't enough, verse 12 says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will, I will remember their sins no more. Mm. Merciful doesn't feel like a strong enough word in that no. scenario. And I think this is where English fails us without slapping on a bunch of Really, 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 really super extra. No, I really, really mean it. I'll be merciful, like, without making it silly, right? For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, understatement, and I will remember their sins no more. And um, there's, there's a tricky thing about forgiveness. You can say that you've forgiven somebody, to make yourself feel better about the situation. But if you still remember their sin against you and you still hold it against them and it still makes you angry and you still feel hurt from it, have you really forgiven them? No, you really haven't. And this is something that currently I'm wrestling with real hard about, uh, you know, a very significant situation in my life. And I like to think that I've forgiven this person and, you know, the pain that their decisions and actions have caused me and other people in my life. And there are moments when I realize that I still harbor incredible anger towards this person and what they did. And that in good moments, it feels like I've forgiven them and have been able to move on. But there are still moments where 
I want to bring it up and hold it against them and that I'm still bearing a grudge and haven't been able to forgive them completely. Am I a long ways, you know, from where I was a year ago? Absolutely. But it's one of those things where I know that God calls us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. And if we take that literally, then I'm not there yet. And I, I see I see the wheels turning in your head, so I'm interested in what you have to say, so I'll shut up. <laughs> I don't know that I've completely um, formulated my... Um, I, I, I've just, I, so forgiveness, I, I, I'm, I'm really having just that moment of like, it's not a, I don't believe it's a one-time act mm. and, and, and I'm, I may be speaking, uh, incorrectly, but so I'm, I'm having the moment of, um, so how many times should I forgive? Should I give them seven times? No, you should give them, forgive them seven times, 77, however that translation plays out. Mm-hmm. And I've always had it in my mind that that was like each time I'm forgiving them is one more time that they have wronged me. Yeah. And I'm That's, suddenly yeah. having this moment of, no, maybe it, it could be a single event that I have to forgive them seven times 77. And again, I'm not saying this is good theology. I'm not saying this is right, (laughs) but I just, I really had this moment of, I've always viewed that as somebody continually harming me, continually needing to be forgiven because they continue to do things. And in, as you were speaking, it was like for the first time for me, I had this moment of like, no, maybe it could be just one thing. Um, or many things that get played out, you know, that get labeled as one big thing. And forgiveness is a, 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 I definitely believe forgiveness is a process. I believe that very much, but that, that verse just suddenly was like, no, I, I may have to, um, cause even, even like what you said in terms of, I feel like I've forgiven And what's implied in that is that you have not, Uh but maybe it's multiple times of forgiving. And the first time you did it, it, you truly did forgive, but you might have to do it again. And, and I'm, I, 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 as I get older, I feel like I'm unpacking, uh, undoing things that I felt like were like either my own improper understanding of what the Bible was saying or what was taught to me or whatever. But um, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up with this. For me, I guess I've always had this perspective of if you've truly done forgiveness right, then you don't remember it anymore. I remember Mm -hmm. it no more. But maybe it is that every time I do remember it, I forgive again. 
And yeah, I don't know so, if that makes sense or not, but no, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I think the, where I'm landing on that right now, you know, talk to me in six years and <laughs> probably have your answer, you know? Yeah. Time. But so what, what I think is, I think, cause I don't think God has to do that. I think God no. forgives and oh, it's done. It's yeah. a done deal. Right. And he doesn't. And again, I think there is a significance in the whole remembers no more. Mm-hmm. It's not forgetting. It's the choosing not to remember. Yeah, it's an I, I act, think it's, a, it's an active yeah. choice on his part to say it's done, it's over, it's paid for, we're all moving on. Um, but as we have both noted, we are not God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think from a from a human perspective, still in the process of sanctification yet to be perfected, right? Still struggling with my sin has been forgiven and yet I sin. Like you mentioned, you know, uh reading about Paul and Romans, you know, I'm thinking of the, you know, wretched man that I am. I, what I do, what I do want to do, I don't do what I don't want to do. I do just that whole wrestling with, with our sin nature and yet being forgiven and in all of the junk. Right. I think from that perspective, yeah, we have to make that choice to forgive over and over and over again, because the sinful part of our, uh, of our being wants to bring that back up. That, you know, the enemy wants to rehash that and reopen that wound and feed the anger and feed the frustration, right? Um, just like uh, Paul says that we have to, we have to die to ourselves, like each and every day, pick up a cross and like, we just have, it's that choice. It's the constant battle, right? That's why we've been given, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, as a guide, as an intercessor, the, the armor of God to protect us from you know, the enemy's advances and all that. So yeah, I, I agree with you from the human perspective that absolutely forgiveness is a process and is something that we need to choose every day. Um, I just wish that we could be like God in this instance and just <laughs> yeah. remember it no more. It's yeah. done. It's over. It's been paid for mm-hmm. at my expense. Such is not the case. No, and and I think the other thing that I'm I just am. Um, I, I and I think that's I think. Well, I, I I'm gonna say this. I feel like somebody out there might need to hear this. Like it's okay that the first time you forgave, it didn't quote unquote stick the way God's forgiveness sticks. It's okay that if daily you have to forgive somebody or hourly you have to forgive somebody. Like that's okay. Just because we don't have the ability to do what God does and remember it no more. It there's something redemptive in the continual choice to forgive every time we remember it. Well, it, yes. And that, and I think if I can take a stab at what that redemptive part is, right. It's every time that we forgive somebody else, it reminds us what God has done for us. Yeah. Which sure. is yep. infinitely more than what we're <laughs> forgiving that person for. Yeah, even if oh what my. they did, even if what they did was heinous, horrific, I mean, just terrible in every way. I'm thinking like super nasty stuff, right? What yeah. God has yeah. forgiven us for is infinitely worse than that. And so in that, process of choosing to forgive we have to be reminded 
of God's forgiving us and what that means and what it cost him and what it affords us based on what it cost him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. In a good way. In a very, In a very, very good, good way. way. I'm just now, because I'm a child, thinking of Wayne and Garth uh, at the feet of uh, Alice Cooper. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> and I've ruined the moment yet again. <laughs> no. My brain just can't handle it. Sometimes I just have to go into silly mode. Uh, and then just to, to wrap, verse 13 says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Just, you know, we're just going to tie this up in a nice little bow and just remind you if it isn't clear yet, because I've spent the entire last chapter talking about it. Old one's over and done with. We got a new one. It's better. Let's carry on with the new covenant. Amen. And that brings us to the end of chapter eight, Dave. Yeah. Like in Hebrews so far, it's real good. (laughs) I like it a lot. (laughs) See, and I thought of, that's real nice, Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Yeah, you gotta have a little levity, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, friends, uh, that brings us to the end of episode 185 of the Masterclass. Thank you so much um, for your time and your willingness to uh, to be a part of uh, of this whole thing. Um, Still super cool that we get to do this and still super cool that people choose to listen. Um, It's still really, really, really cool. Yeah, Um, I agree. Has, I think the longer we do it, the cooler it gets. Like it, you would think that it would be the opposite, but like, I'm just like, still people listen to this. Like (laughs) it just, it just, yeah, it's just really neat. So anyways, um, hope that um this discussion was um beneficial uh for you i sure know it was for me um yep. so uh show notes can be found at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 185 or uh, if you're listening on a mobile device uh in a podcast app they're right there swipe around you'll find them in there you'll find links to all the different um things we talked about in this passage, most of which will be Bible verses, which may be helpful for you. Um, which at this point, if you haven't used them yet, the episode's over. So sorry, <laughs> but, uh, there'll also be links for ways to get in touch. If you want to email phone, um, Twitter, if that's your jam, uh, Dave's link is there. What's your, do you even, do you even check Twitter anymore, Dave? Uh, I do. It's on. Yes. Okay. What's I was going to pull it up on my, I don't remember. Is it David J. Hogue? Is that what it is? Your Twitter handle? 
I, I don't remember I, at all. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I better check the show notes then because I might be linking to the wrong person. Uh, mine's on there too. It's at Cam Brennan. I don't tweet a whole lot, but I check it occasionally if you want to say yeah. hey or whatever. That'd be neat. It'd be fun to meet some new folks. Uh, anyways, um, uh, that is that. Um, it's a wrap, Dave. Until next time. Bye.